Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Everything Went Black podcast. We got a really, really great episode in store for you guys. One of my fellow horsemen joins us this week. I'm referring to Jackie Smith of Into the Necrosphere. He comes on this week and we talk about a subject that really needs to be raised as a result of some statements made by those members of the black metal old guard. Specifically, I'm talking about Isan of Emperor. He was uh, talking some shit about how nothing, uh, the, the genre is dead, there are no new bands doing cool stuff, and how The weekend is uh, the most brutal thing he's experienced uh, in a long time. And of course, that's bullshit. And uh, Jackie and I have a very spirited discussion of how black metal is one of the most progressive subgenres in extreme music and how every year there are a group of bands that just keep pushing the envelope and expanding the genre and pushing things forward and how it's being elevated in many, many ways. And, uh, you know, just for the record, I'm a huge fan of Emperor. I'm a huge Dark Throne fan. You know, I love all those bands. They are very, very influential on me individually. And uh, you know, I, I, it pains me to hear people say that. Even Tom G. Warrior is uh, joining in on that conversation. And I get it. Reminds me of those old school thrash guys who only listen to, uh, you know, old Exodus and uh, stuff like that and hate new bands and all that. And it says more about them than us. So <laughs> with that said, we have a really good conversation about it. And it's a pleasure catching up with Jackie and um, really, really fun. And I always treasure these conversations that we have. Now, I mentioned my fellow horsemen. I'm going to go ahead and mention the rest of the group. On Mondays, we have Horror Wolf 666, a horror podcast focused primarily on interviews with filmmakers, actors, and everyone who's involved in the horror industry, horror business, if you will. And that's brought to you by my brother, Brandon Legion. Tuesday is Into the Necrosphere, hosted by Jackie Smith. And he brings some incredible guests every week. You know, definitely geared more towards black metal, but a lot of uh, ex just general extreme music artists appear on his show. Wednesday is Everything Went Black. Thursday is the Necromaniacs Horror Podcast, which I co-host with Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid. And we have some uh, new members, Soul Knox, hosted by Carl Haikara, and that comes at you on Sunday, and Iblis Manifestations, hosted by Cheyenne of Trivax. Cheyenne has been a guest on Everything Went Black, so you can refer to his episode a while back and um, check out what, what he has to say. Before we get going, I just want to um, talk about Patreon. We're, we have a great group of people who contribute to the show. Uh, you can, for as little as $1 a month, you get access to all the bonus content. For the $5 level, you get access to the bonus content as well as early access to the regular free episodes. And for $20 a month, you can become a sponsor. If you have a business, a band, some kind of project that you want to promote, I will give you a custom ad read and you get access to all of the level one and two benefits. So on with the show. 
it's outstanding seeing you. Uh, it's very early here in the United States, uh, but you know we're we're rocking and rolling. And uh, it's been a while since I've actually seen you in person, quote unquote. Yeah. So it's uh, awesome seeing your visage, and uh, you know, I'm glad to have you on back on everything with black. Well, glad to be back, man. And uh, as I was saying to you offline, I think the last time we caught up was uh, was February, and that was for the uh, the top twenty of uh, of twenty twenty one. And I was going to say not not to put you on the spot, so uh, you can you could walk it back later on if you want. But um, um, we do need to make that an institution. Um, I mean, I'm definitely this year not going to do my my best of show um, this side of of twenty twenty two. So next year February, I think we should do the same thing again. And I'm and I'm actually leaning towards expanding it out to a top thirty because there's just there's so much good stuff that's come out this year. I don't think that it's um, I don't think I do I would do the year justice trying to trying to condense it into a list of twenty. There's there's just too much stuff that I'm I'm really loving. Uh, you know, one of them being something I posted about on um, Instagram yesterday. Uh, this new Druids record, which kind of flew under the radar. I heard it on 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 you know when I was actually doing my news rant for my podcast liked it and then a friend of mine dropped me a line the other day and said like have you have you actually listened to this album properly and i was like well yeah i like the song but i haven't thoroughly listened to the record and it completely blew me away and it seems like we're we're in this run at the moment where there's every single friday there is at least two or three things that come out that i go okay this is this is worth investing some time in so um yeah so we're definitely gonna have to do that again you you're gonna have to do the top 10 with me no, count me in, man. I, I I love doing stuff like that, and uh, you know, and it's always a good excuse for us to get together and talk. And I just have to say that uh, it, the one of the best things to come out of the pandemic was this sort of expansion of my circle of friends, which includes you and Brandon, you know, and Carl, uh, Ralph, and I had already been friends for decades at this point, but uh, all through this podcast medium, and um, it's it's really cool, and and you know, I'm really really you know, grateful for this, the work that you do every week too, because your show is literally the only met, uh, metal or any, even music podcast that I listen to. And that's how I find out a lot about a lot of bands. So, you know, great, great work, by the way. Oh, that warms the cockles of my heart, but um, it's, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I, I, what I, one of the things I love about this so much is how organically everything just kind of started to mushroom and we've we've sort of established our our inner inner circle of um you know of podcasters doing different content but you know i think similar mindsets uh, i'm actually going to be on horrible 666 uh probably in the next week or two um you know and i'll definitely do something with brandon on my show at some point so i think there's 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 a lot of opportunity for some cross pollination there as well um but uh yeah i i I, t- I totally agree with you you know the pandemic was was shit but it helped my podcast massively because bands were at home and they could they could have conversations and people were probably more ready to unload about a couple of things that maybe they wouldn't have done previously um it also helped the adoption of zoom because that's what my podcast is based around um it's funny how that changed because i remember starting the show and this, this was pre-pandemic and getting people to actually log on to Zoom was a nightmare. It was like, uh, it's, if it's not Skype, I'm not going to use it. I had multiple people, high-profile people, so they would not be on the podcast if they can't use Skype. So, so that that is that's changed. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's the, the the friendships that make it worthwhile. And the nice thing, and as we were talking earlier about doing the the top thirty next year, um, part of it is an excuse to be able to reconnect with your friends because I mean, we're all super busy. 
we don't have the time to just pick up the phone and talk shit for half an hour, but we do have the time to schedule, you know, an hour's conversation. And hopefully people, um, you know, people find that entertaining and they, they find it enjoyable. And what I find with, with my podcast format anyway, when I have a guest on for the second or the third time, that's when the conversation gets really fun because all the, all the formalities, you know, getting to know you, everything goes away and then people can just kind of relax and open up and they, they know what they, what they're letting themselves in for. So, um, it's uh that that's kind of when it becomes when it becomes at its best which is why i think the response when you're when you're on into the necrosphere is always so positive yeah it's a lot of fun man i look forward to it you know but uh for today's um episode we have sort of a um a, you know uh, a subject if you will uh that someone that you and i both have a lot of respect for and of course we're talking about isan of emperor made a very controversial statement at least to me and you and to some like-minded people out there that essentially black metal hasn't been interesting for the last uh, 20 or 30 years. And that the weekend is brutal more brutal than any new black metal bands that he's aware of. And that's like, what, what do you say to something like that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, this has been something that's been building, you know, amongst the old guard of the scene for a long time. Um, you know, it started with people like um, Satyr of, of Satyricon, you know, saying that garbage like Deep Calleth Upon Deep was going to be a step change. I think he called it on one interview a um, a sea change in black metal. Um, and then invariably you've had a lot of, um, you know, you've had a lot of the old legends like Ishan, like, um, you know, Tom Warrior, like, uh, oh, sorry, uh, yeah, Tom, so, so Tom, Tom Fisher, like... Um, uh, the guys from Dark Throne, you know, talk about how the spirit has left the scene. There's no good bands coming out. And I, I, I've complained about that on my podcast, you know, a lot in, in part because, I mean, one, I, I, I know for an actual fact they're wrong. But secondly, I, I the, the reason it really grinds my gears is because of the I, I find it to be insulting to hardworking musicians that are putting out absolutely you know, excellent music consistently in, uh, you know, in 2022 and, you know, probably for the last 10 years or so, including you. And so I, I'm almost sort of offended on your behalf because I think to myself, like, there's still a degree of, of reverence and a degree of respect and actually a significant degree of respect that goes out to, you know, the the old masters, um, you know, in this scene. And a lot of the guys that I that I've spoken to, I mean, you can you can tell, and again, you and I have had these conversations too. You can tell these people are doing their level best to you know one make art that is authentic to them and that they that they think is great and that they're proud of, but also to kind of honor the uh, the ones that came before them, you know, because of how much they influenced them. And so when I hear something like that, or when I read something like that, where you know Ishan would would come, you know, would basically rubbish an entire genre and then say you know something as vapid and and trite as the weekend is darker than anything else that's come out in black metal. I, I, I like that's offensive to me because it's, a, it's, it's, it's offensive to the guys that are working really hard to honor the legacy of, of emperor. And this guy hasn't even bothered to open up metal storm once because they think this is the thing, you know, some people will go, well, you know, maybe he's just out of touch with the scene. I mean, how do you get out of touch with, with, with the scene right now in 2022, unless you're willfully out of touch with it, you can go onto any metal website I say I would I would argue at any given day, and I guarantee you, someone somewhere has posted a song by a new band that's great. Pretty much, man, and also, 
even even more like on a maybe tertiary level uh if you're using any of these apps to listen to your music like you know apple music or spotify if you're sticking to a genre of music i can't even tell you how many other great bands that have been recommended by the algorithm to me you know i, I know this is like a very uh you know 2022 way of listening to music but but yeah i've, I've discovered a lot of great bands just from you know the internet basically alg the algorithm recommending them to me and then i'd explore their back catalog and i some of them you know sometimes it doesn't pan out but usually it's at least something that i like and i find out that it's more or less current you know it's a current band it's moving around for like five or six years and uh yeah it's just it's it's lazy to not discover new things and to uh not look for new things especially something that you purport to be passionate about. So that, that's my feelings on it. I think also there's a direct correlation between the quality of music that the that the complainers put out, um, you know, and the amount of complaining that they do. So, you know, if I look at some of the older bands like Mayhem, um, you know, who are, in my view, still putting out excellent music, putting on incredible shows, Marduk, you know, outside of black metal, Napalm Death, you know, I... I, I constantly talk about how much I, I respect and admire Shane Embry, um, Testament. Um, you know, these guys still very much love the genre that they're in. Um, they they go out to discover new music. I had a conversation with um, with Greg McIntosh of Paradise Lost and Strigoi, which is going to be on my podcast next week. And um, one of the things I asked him was, you know, how how have you managed to stay so engaged with the music that you're making? You've, you've been doing it for such a long time, and yet – Virtually, you know, album after album that you put out with Paradise Lost has been consistently excellent. You've just put out a phenomenal record with Strigway. You did those three records with with Valenfire, which almost to me was like, I'm kind of just going to show all of these young bucks how how death metal should be made. And and what he said to me was 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 very illuminating in the context of what we're talking about. Is he said, I never, I I always want to keep learning. I feel like I've never, like I've never stopped learning anything. So I always listen to new music because I want to hear what people are doing. I want to, you know, I, I was obsessed for a period of time with what makes the perfect song. Something to that effect is, is what he said. I think when you when you stop loving what this the scene you're in, you stop loving the kind of music that you're making. That's when you then start putting out really mediocre music as well yourself. Um, you know, Dark Throne to me is a great example. I, I know folks will dis disagree with me on this. I think Eternal Hails as an example had some good songs on. But you cannot compare that with Hate Them, and you can't compare it with Blaze in the Northern Sky. You know, the the very best years of that band is is very, very far back in the rearview mirror. I'd argue the same with Ishan. Um, you know, this is the stuff that Ishan has put out. I mean, that Telemark EP is an example. In comparison to Nine Equilibrium or Anthems of the Welcome at Dusk, you know, and I won't even talk about it in the Nightside Eclipse. I mean, it's it's trash. And, and so I'm not going to... Again, I, I find it offensive that someone could put out that sort of music and then slam the, the the genre that he came from. If you want to show, you know how how you know if you want to show the failings of the of the genre, then put out something that's that you know it, that's undeniable that people will listen to and go, Jesus Christ, that you know this this dude still has it and he's he's the king of what he does and and uh, yes, he's he's shown that he's better than everybody else. But I find the the, the greater the level of disengagement with these with these old timers, the worse their music becomes. And the folks that still love what they do, they keep putting out great stuff. They stay relevant. They stay consistent. Totally. I mean, especially with Ishan, it's it's his. Um, he's definitely stepped into the progressive world as far as like progressive metal, 
progressive music. And I, that's been where both of his feet have firmly been planted for many years, I find, even like on his later solo records, um, you know, and, and, and that's great. But what in my mind, my fantasy would be for him to make a record that is akin to something that mayhem would do. Cause like in some ways mayhem are also very progressive. Like all mm -hmm. of their, there's a lot of interesting musical stuff going on. Great playing, incredible guitar playing vocally. They're probably one of the greatest black. I mean, you know, like Attila is like, is literally my favorite black metal singer. Mm -hmm. You know, and he does incredible things with his voice. And I, you know, in my mind, in the in the perfect world, Isan would be making music like that instead of the uh, you know King Crimson influenced stuff that he's doing right now. Which, you know, I mean, it's great music, but I've completely lost interest in anything that he's been doing in the last like ten years or so. Yeah, I, I, I again, I would strongly agree with that. And I don't actually mind what direction you go down with your music. You can make whatever you want. I mean, there's guys that are, you know, that came from the black metal scene that you know who are doing folk music now, or they're doing. Um, you know, some, some people have gone into like, you know, post-punk, some people have gone down a, a multitude of different directions, but they, they haven't, you know, slammed the genre as they've, as, as, as they have exited it as though the genre is irrelevant and therefore they're now doing something completely different. Um, I do think as an artist, you need to make music that's authentic to you, that you feel inspired to do, you know, Paradise Lost good, you know, being a good example. I, I'm one of the very few people that really loved Host when it came out. And I discovered them on Gothic. So it wasn't like I was, you know, I was a fucking Depeche Mode fan, uh, you know, hated death metal. And when they made a host, I said, you know, finally the growls are gone. Um, I love the record because it sounded like they were inspired to make that record. So I, I don't mind what direction an, an artist takes with their music. But what I do mind is when you try and, you know, smash the or slam the 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 scene that you came from just because it's not in you anymore to make that kind of music. People change, you know. The thing that I love about Mayhem is the 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 hate and the the violence and the stuff I love yeah. about black metal is still there. Um I don't think that 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 Ishan necessarily has it in him. I don't frankly think that Satter has it in him. And I and I, again I understand why. The guy is a very successful um winery. He cruises around in multiple Porsches. You know, he lives a pretty lavish lifestyle. If you look at his uh, his social media, of course you're not going to be as pissed off about life anymore. If that's the if 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 that's the kind of life that you're leading, that's fine. I, I mean, I don't begrudge anybody that. But I, I do then begrudge people turning around saying, "Well, the genre sucks." It's like, no, the, you know, you you may have changed, and maybe the genre isn't for you any longer. But don't don't talk about how the genre is you know, lost its spirit and doesn't make you feel rebellious anymore, you know, and all of that sort of stuff, because that's just, that's ignorant bullshit. Yeah, it always reminds me of like, you know, the old thrash guys too, you know, you'd go out to see a show and there'd be dudes who just only, you know, enjoy like the first couple of Exodus records or something, you know, yeah. they don't, they don't enjoy other, other forms of extreme metal. You know, but in response to that, you and I have uh, come up with a list uh, of bands that are basically new bands that formed in the last 20 plus years that are since 20, 2000. And uh, sort of in response to this claim that no interesting black metal is being made. And we've come up with a list. There's probably some uh, definite crossover on both of our lists, but. There's, I, I actually had a, a hard time keeping it down to 10 bands, honestly. Mm. So I, I think there's a, a fertile, very, uh, very creative scene that's going on. And um, I just think that it's, uh, you know, just people have to maybe look harder who think that there's not good music out there, you know? 
Well, what I what I love so much about where black metal has gone as a as a genre is it it is it's dropped a lot of the the pretense, a lot of the um, you know, like the 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 old kind of fucking vampire black metal bands, and you know, guys sitting by the river looking maudlin, and you know, whatever else Th- that seems to have gone. The 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 aggression and the fire is very much back in the genre, and it has been. I would say you, you and I have spoken about this. And my theory was, you know, Admiorum, Satanus Glorium by Gorgoroth was kind of one of the real, you know, real milestones to me in the genre because I, 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 you could feel the genre was changing along with where that record ended up going. But so a lot of that is back. But the genre at the same time has become an, an awful lot more diverse in terms of the the, the type of bands, the the influences that, that bands are comfortable using and bringing in. I think a lot of people have taken a lot of these influences and and you know turned it into something that is exceptionally dark and and unique and engaging. But what it what it's meant is that there's so much within the genre for you to kind of choose from right you if you want you know really violent primitive hateful black metal there's tons of that and tons of really good stuff coming out if you want something that's a bit more avant-garde and experimental there's loads of that if you want stuff that's progressive there's there's bands that are are you know very you know uh very effectively uh blending in those progressive elements into records that still have you know all of those elements that i i, I mentioned previously so the genre has become far more diverse. I think it's. I think it's lost a lot of the. I think if it has lost anything, like I said, it's lost the the pretense. It's lost. It's dropped the facade. It's become a a, a genre that, at least me as a person, I I feel like I can connect with even more than I could, um, you know, in the early nineties. In the early nineties, a lot of that stuff was cool because it was different and was rebellious, and you were a teenager and you wanted to scare your parents and you wanted to scare the Christians at your school and stuff like that. But I'm I'm 42 years old now. I mean, that's not a priority for me anymore. Um, I'm still pissed off about a, a lot of stuff. I still want to feel that outlet when I listen to when I listen to music, but I can get that from a lot of other stuff now. And actually, for me, real rebellion is when I see, you know, people or, or you know people producing music and and living and 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 sort of um, projecting the personality of someone that somebody that I can respect. You're a great example of that, you know, and I'll I'll bring that up because let's let's just get out of the way in the first instance. Tombs is definitely on my list. It's part of why I reached out to you. The 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 criteria that I always have for the for for my podcast, and I I tell this to everybody who, who who you know I bring on. I think I said it to you the first time we spoke as well. I'll never bring anyone on whose music I don't like. Um, you know, and I'll I'll always only talk to people who I think will make interesting guests. So, you know. One of the things that first attracted me to Tombs was I the, the first thing I actually heard was a cover that you guys did of um, of David Bowie's uh, Euros, and then I was and it, because you were a relapse band at the time, and I was on a kick where if it was on relapse, I I tended to want to hear what the rest of it sounded like. I got into the rest of the I I, I really liked the David Bowie cover. Then I started getting into the rest of the discography, and I was like, "Fuck, there's a lot going on here." It's like this isn't just some you know, like post-punk influence relapse band, you know, there's like like serious, nasty black metal shit going on. Yeah, there's like, I can hear hardcore influences coming from time to time. There's just, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. Yeah, and I think you have progressively gotten better. I mean, I think the the, the EP and the last record are the, are the two best things you've done, hands down. Um, you know, and that's saying something because, like I said, I was a big fan of everything else, including the record that you don't, you do not enjoy as much, <laughs> the Grand Annihilation. The year that it, that it came out, actually, the Grand Annihilation was number two on my on my top twenty list. Um, but I, I I think you know you're a you're a perfect example of that that kind of band that I'm talking about, where I can connect with the music, I can connect with the lyrics, and I can also connect with the image the band is is portraying. Well, thank you, man. That's that's uh, you know. 
I, it's uh, the thing about the Grand Annihilation. It's really the era that the, that record was created in, and there was a lot of the band was like kind of falling apart really when uh, we made that album, and we'd been on tour like that year prior a lot, and people were just burned out. Uh, there was some personality stuff going on with some of those members. Uh, people were quitting. Like in the midst of recording the album, people quit. And yeah. uh, there was all sorts of things going on, a lot of drama behind the scenes. And, uh, but, you know, we still put it out. Um, there were certain elements to that that I'm not really happy with. Not, not the, the, the best thing about it was Rutan's um, production of the record. I think, mm. you know, that Eric Rutan's work on that record, I thought was incredible. I just, there's a certain feelings I have about that album that just don't really translate. Some of those songs we actually brought back into the set and, uh, like for example, Black Sun Horizon, we're uh, playing that again. We played that on the last tour, and uh, we're actually reworking that song. Um, not like we're going to re-record it and put it out on an on our album, our next album, but it's probably something that's going to pop up as like a, a B-side on a single because we have some singles planned for next year too. But yeah, I rewrote the lyrics. We play it differently. Uh, you know, I mean, the drummer on the you know Justin, our new our latest drummer, is like way different than the guy who played on that record so it has a little bit more of like a new jersey kind of vibe to it and uh you know which is like more ignorant more slam oriented i guess i don't know like more more of like uh like the breakdown is a little bit more more serious on uh black sun horizon now the way we play it so i think we're going to record a version of that even if it's just some live version or something that we'll release at some point well, for me, and this is a this is a request as a as a bro. If I ever see you guys play live, two songs I absolutely have to hear because they are. If I had to if I had to put together like a desert island mixtape, those two songs would be on there without a doubt. Underneath and Shadows at the End of the World, just okay. both absolute works of fucking genius. Well, and like you, like you know, the, I mean, under, underneath the way that it ends with that. That drum roll, it's like this very short, very basic drum roll, right right as you're saying, Drown in the Darkness, just masterful. And then Shadows at the End of the World from note one to the very last second is just pure Cro-Magnon <laughs> badassness. Um, and also one of your best vocal performances, I, I personally think. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. That's uh, that, that was the beginning, I think, of a lot of the stuff I'm doing right now vocally, which is cool. And I feel like I progressed it a lot more over the years. But yeah, maybe now performing it the way I can sing now would, would make that song better, I think, as well. Yeah. I do. Well, like I said, I mean, I I, I, I know we were talking about uh, me potentially coming to New York at some point this year. Um, I've uh, I squandered too much money on my hi-fi upgrade for that to be able to happen <laughs> next year. I'll, uh, I'll be a little more fiscally responsible. Well, there, there's more. There'll be more going on next year too. I think. There's, yeah. You know, stuff we stuff that we talked about before the recording recording started. Now, I'm actually going to be in Europe in December. I'm going to go to Ralph's uh, <clears throat> Unholy Passion Festival in December. So that'll that'll be cool to see him and you know some other other uh, everything went black people are going to be there too. Our European contingent European chapter will be out there. So I'll meet up with some of those guys too. Yeah, Ralph mentioned that to me when he was on the show. Um, I'm going to see if I can try and make it. The problem is it's very, very close to when I go to South Africa. So I'm off to South Africa for um, a month from December the 10th until January the 7th. Um, but it's a uh, holidays as, as about it. Well, very, you know, a, a holiday I've been looking forward to since my 40th birthday. So, so over two years ago, 
But um, the uh, you know, as you can imagine, from you know, working in the corporate world, it's it's a bit of a you you have to do some serious arm twisting to get a whole month off. Um, the only reason I'm able to do it is because it falls either side of Christmas, so you know, it, really the disruption is is limited. But there'll be a lot of work for me to do in the run up to then. But if I if I if I can make it out, I'll I'd love to do it because obviously I have had Ralph on. I thought he was a great dude. Oh, yeah. um, so it'd be great to meet everybody in person. I'm looking forward to that. Some someday we're all we're all going to be together in the same place, and it's going to be yeah. epic. I think so. I'm really looking forward to something like that. So uh, let's let's jump into our list here. Um, you know, I I think you already mentioned tombs. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was about to say we we uh, got that one out the way. That, that one's out of the way. So for me, um, Lurker of Chalice, which started in 2001, and uh, if we're going to talk about the more recent era of black metal, I feel like, uh, you know, Jeff Whitehead has to somehow be included on that list. And um, he's a man of few words, sort of uh, mysterious in a lot of ways. Uh, and Leviathan would be on this list. However, they've started earlier than our cutoff date. So Lur yeah. Lurker record came out in 2001. And it's all an extension of his creativity. And uh, we were talking about sort of eschewing the trappings of the original second wave bands and uh, cross-pollinating with other genres of music. And I think of the epitome of that is the Lurker of Chalice uh, Leviathan music, which is clearly black metal when you listen to it. It just has this nihilistic, dark vibe to it. And yet you can hear strains of other styles of music creeping in. Uh, you know, especially on the Lurker record, there's a lot of like, you know, industrial and po post-punk influences, but it still is that has that characteristic that we were talking about this, like blackness, this like nihilism, this like very intense isolation vibe. So that would be, uh, you know, and also it's a U.S. band, too. And mm. throughout the throughout the 90s, I feel like the U.S. wasn't. You know, there was like certain, you know, Hemlock, you know, bands like that would come to mind, uh, you know. But there was never really, uh, I think, a stronger representation of the U.S. was like more post two thousand. I feel like. Yeah, definitely. I think I think the the post two thousand U.S. black metal boom. Um, I mean, one, it was really exciting, but it, it definitely it, it it kind of took the U.S. a while, I think, to catch up properly to uh, to, to the rest of the world. But I mean, the, the, that that's the case of a lot of countries, right? And again, that's one of the exciting things about where the scene is now is, you know, you you used to have Norway and Sweden really as your two main regional scenes. And now there's all these other countries where the amount of great stuff coming out of there is is mind boggling. Um, you know, Poland being one, France being another. We talk an, an awful lot about Australia. Um, you know, again, I, I think barely a month goes by where I don't hear something out of Australia that has just, you know, floored me completely. But um, I'm a big fan of Leviathan. I was particularly a huge fan of Scar Sighted. Um, so that that came out in 2015, I believe. And that was the record that that really kind of um, probably turned me on to Leviathan more than anything else. They were a band that had kind of flown on under my radar. Then then that record came out, listened to it, and then I went back and I, I kind of rediscovered everything else. Lurker of Chalice, I've not spent as much time on, um, but for no other reason than it just you know, it time and uh, and the the sheer volume of good stuff coming out. But I'm a I'm a big fan of of Jeff Whitehead, Whitehead and I'm a big fan of Leviathan. So uh, I'm I'm very confident I will probably enjoy this thoroughly as well. 
I gave it the highest recommendation. I mean, they don't, they only have one proper LP and there was a collection that came out uh, recently of their older like demos and whatnot, but that Lurko Chalice, you know, LP is really, you know, very important record to me. Have you, uh, have you looked into, or are you going to look into getting that shadow of no light box set that they're putting out? Like the cassette collection of, uh, of all the Leviathan demos. You know, I, I think I went to go purchase that and it's sold out right now, but they're going to be, they're going to be, uh, you know, making more eventually, but I'll, I'll probably going to get that. So I, I have a cassette player and, uh, mm. you know, it's, I, I like that format. Honestly, it's funny. Um, I, I started making cassettes for people and, uh, and like listening back to it. I'm like, man, cassettes just sound cool sometimes, you know? So I think as a result of the, uh, the vinyl, uh, you know, being backed up that the more of these, cassette releases are actually front and center which is kind of interesting so yeah well what i was hoping when i when i actually saw the news for that was that that might be an indication that there's some new leviathan music potentially on the way but um i'm not holding my breath just a mysterious guy you know <laughs> yeah not very much so um the uh the cassette thing by the way i think um once once we've gotten your your um your home hi-fi setup upgraded properly not so sure you're going to feel as strongly about cassettes anymore. They're nice as, a, as they're nice to collect, but um, yeah, when we when we when, when we get you to the right place and you've got a you know decent vinyl player and you've got a decent you know decent streaming deck or something like that, that's that's next level shit. So what do you got up here? What do you got in store for us for your selection? So mine is in no particular order, um, but actually I'll, I'll, I'll segue into another familiar one first, and then we'll uh, then, then maybe talk about some other more not not obscure stuff, but maybe things that don't don't feature Friends. But yeah, well, I mean, the thing also is it's 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 hard to leave Friends out of it because with a lot of the people in these bands, I've actually become friends with them because of their music. But Ulta to me is another band that I would absolutely put in there, and and that became particularly evident on this last record that they put out. Um, that has been an album that I've I've firstly I know for a fact um, because I look at my own you know circle of friends. It's, I, it has turned so many people onto Ulta. It's I'm not sure Ralph potentially realizes what he has on on you know with this album. But the thing about it is, I mean they actually blend in some of those progressive elements that we mentioned before. They obviously throw in a lot of post-punk. Um, you know, I love the little Easter egg uh, on the third track of, of this new record, all that, all that has never been true, uh, which, which I, I discovered when we were talking on the, um, uh, on, on the episode that he was on for into the necrosphere, uh, the song being bathed in lightning, bathed in heat. It was like a riff off of uh, a Tom York song uh, from the Suspiria remake. But um, yeah, it, it's a, it's an incredibly ambitious band, an incredible, you know, a, a band where he sounds to me to be very creatively free in what he does, and I know, I know that's how he, he approaches music. Um, but you know, when I, when I was talking about music that's inspired, and music that engages you, and music that tells a story, um, I, I think you know, not only the, the the most recent author record, but really everything that uh, that they have put out, I, I think, hits that criteria really, really well. And also, you know, in spite of the fact that quite a few, you know, the genre has been going for quite a few years, you know, also kind of manages to sort of carve their own niche and sound unique and 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 do their own thing, which I again I I, I commend um, because it's, it's 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 I think it's difficult to be that way uh, or to or, or or to or to 
maintain that, you know, uh, in, uh, in in 2022. And, you know, he has, uh, he has done so by coloring outside of the lines uh, and done, doing so very effectively. Plus, he's also a fucking great guy. Yeah, Ralph's, Ralph's the best, man. Like, I can't say enough good things about him. And, you know, our, our long and storied friendship, man, goes back a long ways. And, you know, different, I met him in Europe and, I tell we tell the whole story actually on uh, this upcoming uh, Q and A I did with him for our, for uh, the Patreon version of the show. Um, there was you know people sending in a bunch of questions. You know how do you guys meet this kind of thing? And we went into this very long rambling uh, story about our meeting and and how our friendship is is been this one of the only consistents in my life actually. And I think likewise with, with Ralph, like we've both been through a lot of ups and downs and. Um, yeah, he's just he's just a solid friend, and I'm really I feel really fortunate for to have his friendship, honestly. Well, one of the things just musically that I I also and I would I was just pondering it now as I, as I'd mentioned the the Tommy York song, but I mean that's not the only time that he riffs off of off of movie scores and soundtracks and stuff like that. And I've always wondered because I've always loved you know movie scores. You and I spoke uh, offline about the the last Necromaniacs episode where uh, where you guys spoke about Prey, which I thought thought it was great, by the way. But for me, it's like I'm so fixated on certain movie scores that without the score there, I, I don't even regard it as a as a movie in that in that world because it sounds detached from the world to me. But that that aside, Ralph very clearly is a is a big fan of film scores as well, and the way that he incorporates, whether it's the just kind of a hint of those scores or whether he's taking something that, you know, sounds like it could very well have fit into those scores. Uh, you know, he does it extremely well. Like there's a very kind of, um, he has a real finesse with the way he brings that in. Nothing ever feels like it's shoehorned in as a, as a musician, as a songwriter, I, I think he's got, you know, he, he, he demonstrates, especially on this new record, um, you know, a real flair for, for blending things very seamlessly. Um, you know, which, which again, I mean, it's part of what makes this band so, so fantastic. Um, and again, he and I also share very similar tastes when it comes to film scores, you know, one of our favorites being there will be blood. Um, you know, and I think he, uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just psyched about hearing what he, what he ends up doing next. Cause I, I would, I would hope that he takes a degree of, of tremendous confidence away from the response to this album. Well, I'm just going to let the kid out, cat out of the bag, and Ulta is actually on my list as well. So, <laughs> but uh, but I just want to add to what you're saying too. It's um, yeah, I Ralph is definitely someone who has a wide breadth of knowledge and influences. I mean, just he's just so many different elements that make up everything that he does. I mean, like I said, I've known Ralph for like you know over 20 years at this point, and um. I've seen all the various incarnations of things that he's been doing creatively and uh they all are you could they have they have like a um a one thread that runs through them which is his input which is his characteristic and then everything else is just kind of these harmonics and undertones and overtones off of like that creative energy that he has you know and like he's just a he's played the band called hellstrom which was you know like a d-beat you know, European hardcore style band. And, but there's still, if you listen to Hellstrom and listen to Ulta, there's like a, a line that connects them, even though the styles of music are, are quite different, but it still sounds like Ralph is in there creating the music, you know what I mean? And it's, um, that's like one of the most unique things. Like there's, there's people out there that can replicate different styles flawlessly and, you know, they're great players 
but there is a certain um, two-dimensional aspect to their music that that there's a there's a certain intangible that's missing and i feel like ralph's that intangible is something that ralph carries through with all the different projects including you know ropes of night which sounds nothing like ulta but you can still tell that the same man is behind these things you know and the thing is i don't know how many people know this but that ulta was like on the verge of not putting out any more music anymore at one point and uh this record was like oh let's just do let's just make a record you know and wrap it up you know and i feel like now that's the band's still going to continue and there's mm. going to be more music down the line and, and i think in general people really reacted well to this record so so that's really cool yeah he, he spoke about that on on the show actually about you know wanting to you know wanting to quarter quits on the band and all that sort of stuff but uh you know like, like i said i hope he I hope he draws a huge amount of confidence away from the the response that the record has had um and you know you, you best know the legions will demand a uh, a sequel <laughs> so um i mean you can't you can't be on that that sort of high and and then and then stop um no, you know i think not, i just yeah. you there is just there's too much creativity and too many great ideas in that dude for him to uh to call it quits now All right, so I, who's up now? You, I think, because I just we both the same. We we, we, we both we yeah. both altered. All right, so <laughs> I know I I I'll, I can lift. Uh, I could probably give people a, a a brief spoiler. I know you've got this one on your list as well, Panzerfaust. <laughs> so Panzerfaust for me is, if I think of like one of the most dynamic, intelligent black metal bands to come out in fucking forever. This, this band to me is is right at, at the head of the pack. Uh, they've been around since 2005. Their, um, their debut record, The Winds Will Lead Us, was very good. Um, the record that really caught my attention uh, first with their, of, of theirs was Jehovah Jireh, The Divine Antilogos, which was, you know, it, it, it presented a lot of the ideas that, that they have since expanded upon significantly on the Sons of Perdition trilogy um, or quadrilogy, actually, that they're, they're doing right now. And it also dug into religion from a, I think, an extremely intelligent and, and well-read and philosophical perspective. And then they they return six years later with the start of this unbelievably ambitious quadrilogy of theirs focused around war, the aftermath of war, the build up to the next war. Um, and they kind of examine it not only from the from the perspective of the horrors that occur, you know, within war, which is what a lot of bands sing about, you know, Marduk being one of them. But they also look at it from a very human perspective. Um, and what I've what I've absolutely adored about this the Sons of Perdition quadrilogy so far, you know, Sons of Perdition chapter one you kind of have the violence. It feels like you're in the midst of of battle. You know, you hear these uh, these samples they use of um, you know German Stuckers, you know, bombing shit, and you hear explosions, and then you know you 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 the the music is presented in such a way that it 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 really feels like you're sort of in the heat of the moment. And then Sons of Perdition Chapter Two is almost like the immediate aftermath of it. And it takes me back to movies like Downfall where, you know, there's, there's this incredible, I don't know whether you've seen Downfall, but if oh, you yeah. haven't, I, I was about I to say, I could not more strongly recommend it. But there's this, this, this scene right at the end of Downfall where they show Berlin, you know, as the, as the Russians are kind of, um, you know, basically uh, knocking, knock, knock, knocking back after having taken the city. 
but you 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 witness the devastation of the of, of the city and for me sons of perdition chapter 2 was really about contemplation of the that immediate aftermath of war the devastation the deaths you know people having lost their their loved ones um and then sons of perdition chapter 3 which is their new record and which without a shadow of a doubt is going to be extremely high up on my on my top 30 this year um it's a, it's an interesting record because it starts off really slow. I, I I saw a lot of criticism with people saying, "Oh, it's not fast enough. It's not you know not, a, not it, it feels like it's too um, too doomy." I, I completely disagree with that. There's a there's a contemplative element to the first part of the record, and then what I find interesting is, and again, this speaks to their ability to tell these stories through their music. the the rec- The record gradually picks up in intensity. Up to the point where you get to that final song, uh, Tabula Rasa, and Tabula Rasa to me is is almost like, if I think of the period from 1945 up to 2022, you know, a lot of a lot of people would would make the argument where we there is a better chance now than ever of a of a third world war. It's it's actually Tabula Rasa that that final track is almost like a musical embodiment of this tension, and this division and this hatred kind of building up and building up and building up. Um, and then they finish it with this beautiful lyric, um, like shallow prey for the jackals. This is the final chance to utter the final sin in the flood or by the fire. No one will be the wiser. And it's just, it, it's it, as, as as I said, it, it, they're, they're such an intelligent band. They're so they're so good musically, but the way that they just bring every single element of what they do together, I I mean, I could probably write a fucking thesis on. You know, on them and what they've what they've achieved with this with this quadrilogy, but also just how much I love them as a band, and and everything works. Like the 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 riffs work. Their, their drummer um, Alexander is fucking incredible, and then they've got one of the best vocalists on the planet, in my view. Like if I had to, you know, I agree with you on Attila, Goliath, their vocalist is almost definitely in that top five as well. Yeah, I mean, I I discovered Panzer Faust through listening to Into the Necrosphere actually, and um. It's one of the biggest takeaways from that is, uh, and I, I'm a huge fan now, and I've gone through, you know, I've not, I, I'm not as well versed in all their their catalog, but there's, this, you know, specifically their more recent material is like really, really high, rates very high with me, and the yeah, the claim that it's slow, it's like, I, I just think the freedom that these guys approach that they use to when they approach their music, it's it's just you know, we're choosing to do this because it's correct, because it's right for this this song and the, the emotion that we're trying to portray. And uh, yeah, they're everything down to the production of the records, the lyrics, the playing, the songwriting, all this stuff. It's very, and also it's very ambitious, like you mentioned too. And uh, someday I'd like to see them live. I, I'm trying to keep my eyes open. I know things are just now starting to be in full swing as far as uh, gigs and tours and stuff. But at some point, I hope that they do play, you know, locally, at least in, in the northeast somewhere, you know, I could travel to go see them. Well, they've just come back from Europe, so I would imagine their next stop is going to be North America. Um, I mean, that's another guy I've I've become friends with as well. Um, you know, uh, as a result of him being on the podcast was Brock, uh, the guitarist, and and I know he's not really sort of said much about what the next record is going to sound like, but my feeling is just from a few hints he's dropped, and if you think about where this third record ends off. It's going to be very aggressive and very violent, um, which I'm I'm very excited about. But yeah, just on the touring question, I think they're going to probably they would it would make sense for them to play uh, North America next. Um, the response they've they've had, unfortunately, I wasn't at the shows, but uh, the response they've had here in Europe seems like it was enormous. 
you know, and they, I mean, you know, we'll talk about another band as well who've, who've gotten some stick from uh, the mor- the Morality Squad. Um, I, I can say this for an absolute fact, knowing knowing Brock, the guy is, you know, very open-minded, but he's also got, he's, you know, very strong and very well-read and, and very, you know, very informed views on things, you know, which he, which he's happy to share when you talk to him about it, but he's also not someone, you know, and I don't think the band have really done this, done, done this either. He's not someone who, you know, tries to shove his views down your throat either. Um, but he's a great guy. And uh, as I said, that band is f- phenomenal. Yeah. I, that's the other thing I respect about them is that they don't, um, you know, sort of uh, play into that, uh, you know, PC or woke or whatever, you know, sort of philosophy that, in, in some ways, at least over here in the States, that seems to be receding a little bit. Um, yeah, I feel like the whole cancel thing is somewhat receding into the background, I think, but which is good. And I, I think it's ridiculous that people can't separate art from what someone's views are or if they, can, they can't even listen to what someone other, someone's views are that, that are different than their own, you know? And, and uh, you know, that's something I've always, I've always been very open to whatever people have to say i might not agree or have different ideas of my own that are you know that conflict with those views but at least i take in what they have to say you know and um and that's something that sorely seems to be missing from our society these days but on the other hand i do see that a little bit receding somewhat so we'll see yeah well I, I I agree with you. I think my, I made a prediction on uh, on one of my news rants at the start of the year, and I said the 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 snail, oh sorry, the snail, the snake has had its tail cut. And I think you know when 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 you cut a snake's tail, it becomes more dangerous because it's it might be in the death throes, but now it's lashing out and it's it's you know it's it's uh, it's looking to defend itself. So I said we're going to see some fucking crazy shit in uh, in twenty twenty two, and I I've, I still stand by that. We already have seen insane things. Um, but I think what more and more people are starting to realize, I certainly hope that's the case. And I think I think if people follow the stuff that I've said on my show in, in, in the News Rant segment, maybe they've seen me kind of take that turn myself. But I think increasingly what I've what I've come to realize is that our struggle is is a is a class struggle. Um it, it is the political class and the elites versus all the rest of us. And it doesn't matter what side of the fence you sat on politically, it behooves all of us who are not in those in the elite and political class to set our differences aside, find common ground and and start to uh to push back against this bullshit because the cancel culture, all the woke stuff, all of that stuff, they use that to divide people. There's no doubt about it. That it, it is it is it is a you know, you can look at how the media try and foment things, you know, to to divide people almost as if by by default. You know, you look at this at the pushback against um, you know, uh the the rings the reviews for the rings of power, for example. I'm a massive Lord of the Rings fan. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to see it from the get-go because I don't want to see something that's not actually based on original text. I'm not interested in seeing fan fiction, you know, that's had a billion dollars thrown at it. But the the almost as if by um, by reflex, you know, the the accusations of of racism started getting thrown around when people didn't like the show. And then you go and you you look at some of the articles that they that that are talking about it, and you go, "Well, where's where's your evidence of this? Surely you would have the reviews." that are you know that, that are racist surely you would have the threats that you're talking about the the actors getting can can people no longer just not like not enjoy something um i think it's a really ugly and a really gross byproduct of this this very vapid western culture that we live in right now but 
the, the, the point I'm making is that stuff is a distraction and people, I think, increasingly are seeing through that as a as they they're seeing it for what it is, you know. It's the media and the, the 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 politicians, and they use it as a means to keep people at each other's throats about stuff that, in the grand scheme of things, means absolutely nothing. You had Eugene Robinson on on the the podcast a, a couple of months ago, and I've I've cited this on the show too. He said something that that really stuck with me, and it was you know it was around the time that they were trying to you know get Joe Rogan pulled off Spotify, and. Um, you know, he was like, "Do you think that the people that make the biggest difference in the world, like the billionaires and stuff, do you think they sit around a table, wondering what's going to happen to Joe Rogan?" And that was like the thing that 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 really sort of clicked with me. And and it it is, I think, been one of the things that's helped distill my thinking around what I what I think is going on in the world right now. Yeah, Eugene is always good for uh, changing your paradigm. Whenever whenever I speak to that guy, I come away with like new ideas and different points of view and everything and um yeah i mean that that actually was a very intense moment for me too when i started realizing like all this stuff is a distraction and a smoke screen for like some plan that's being cooked up you know that's just really based around separating people and keeping them at each other's throats you know and, and i i i 100 agree with that sentiment well, a, a very good friend of mine said something to me uh years back already and, and it, it also it, it kind of ties into that he said to me, think about, I said, cast your mind back to the Clinton administration. And he said, what is the, what, what is the first thing the average person is going to say about Bill Clinton if they if they think about his presidency? And the first thing most, most morons on the street are going to say is Monica Lewinsky. Now, the question is, what has a greater and more profound impact on your life today? The president getting blown in the in the Oval Office or the president allowing uh, China into the World Trade Organization? Yeah, well, obviously, uh, you know, I mean, the president getting blown. (laughs) (laughs) That offended me. (laughs) Well, the thing thing about that, too, is I I mean, when I I remember hearing that, I'm like, so what? Like, I expect that, you know, that's the least I imagined of what happened in the White House. You know, I mean, all the way back to Kennedy, you know, he's a womanizer. You know, it's like if I was president of the United States, that would be the you know, well, forget it. If I was president of the United States, uh, that's that statement right there. But I expect presidents to, it's a high pressure job, man. You know? Yeah. I expect behavior like that, you know, all the way through everyone, Lincoln, everybody, you know? Well, and, and the same, again, you know, going, going, bringing it into 2022, the same principle applies. What is more important? The fact that, you know, governments keep on shutting down their domestic power supply in the name of this, absolutely insane unrealistic um green agenda that they have which you know we can all agree that you know on common sense measures to protect the environment no nobody's against that you know who's in their right mind but at the same time you know it has to be based on based in reality and based on the technology that we have right now we don't have the technology to allow for the sort of base load that would make wind and solar our, our own our, our sole source of of energy and yet you've got you know, uh, countries like Germany shutting down, um, you know, shutting down their their last remaining nuclear reactor in spite of the fact that they've got an energy shortage. So, so what what means more in the grand scheme of things to the average person, the the reviews for rings of power or you know a, a yeah. fucking energy crisis? But what 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 will the what will people on the street talk about more readily? I guarantee you, they'll know more about the rings of power reviews. Then they'll know about what what their leaders are actually doing to them, and this is this is the thing, right? 
people don't realize that the state of the world right now is almost entirely down to the political class. It's their decision making. It's 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 things they've done that's brought us to this point, where we have to put our hands up and and you know influence uh, or at least push back to as, as as much as we possibly can. Is we need to control what we can and inform ourselves. And 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 I think too many people have gone uh, gone around for too long not informing themselves whatsoever. They've just let this happen. Well, just real quick about uh, power in general. It's like you know, wind and solar are interruptible sources of power. And yeah. Aside from nuclear energy, which um, is with the correct design measures in place, could be a viable way of generating electricity. It all really comes down to how to boil water and make superheated steam to make electricity. So if you're not going to have, sorry, you want to have an electrical car, okay? Where does that electricity come from? At some place along the line, you got to boil some water to make superheated steam to, steam to turn a turbine to generate electrical power. So either you're going to use nuclear or you're going to burn some kind of fossil fuel, you know, be it, you know, gas or oil or coal or whatever. So by this idea of electrical cars is uh, not quite sound really in that respect, unless you're going 100% nuclear for generating your power. You're not going to, which actually has a very, 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 very reduced impact on the environment as opposed to uh, generating, uh, you know, fluorocarbons and all this other stuff that um, fossil fuel burning does. So not very, you know, people think, oh, elect electricity, like, where does it come from? Magic, you know, like there's a hamster running around generating on a wheel, making power. It's like you have to think into the, the, the depth of how that power is actually created and you realize that. It, it's like it's almost like a public relations campaign, you know, and being showing people that, OK, the solution is going everything electric, because even here on the East Coast, um, there's a move towards getting away from new gas services, you know, for home heating and they want electrical boilers and things like that. But that just puts more stress on the grid mm -hmm. without increasing the uh, capacity to generate a higher load you know so these are things that no one really seems to want to think about well the thing is it's not a case they don't want to think about it they, they don't know enough about it they, they've they've grown up through a school system that keeps them willfully ignorant that you know if they've gone to university it's even worse because god only knows what they learn there if you look at the average student right now but the um the i i think what what happens is the government does does what they believe is going to get them reelected. They don't. They certainly don't care about any long term consequences. But then they also manipulate people into, or you know, when you think about government being the uh, an extension of the will of the people, they manipulate people into into believing or thinking in a certain way, because people, generally speaking, uh, are very emotional and they respond to social incentives. So when you create a situation whereby anyone who dares question the the way that the green agenda is being implemented is is referred to as a climate denier and then if you think about climate denier as a as 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 two words denier is also linked to things like holocaust denier and things like that so they they paint you in this way where you're this complete monster where actually i find it to be like, like i mean to talk about finding it offensive i'm i'm absolutely in favor of 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 you know us being um, you know, more mindful of how the planet is is treated, but at the same time, surely I can look at the fact that Scotland, you know, mowed down fourteen million trees for a bunch of wind turbines that that haven't done jack shit to solve, you know, the the, the energy crisis, and go, this doesn't quite make sense to me, without being called a fucking climate denier. 
but that's uh, that's just the world we live in. But again, I, I think slowly but surely gains are being made, you know, and I think more and more people are starting to realize that, as I said, this is not a political struggle. This is not a fucking team sport. It, it, politics doesn't really even matter at the end of the day. It's about outcome. That's the only thing that you should judge anything, any anything or or any political um, party or, or, or politician by. What is the outcome they're achieving? If the outcome is a disaster, but they could be Republican, Democrat, they could be fucking whatever they want. That 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 is the only thing that matters. That was a pretty pretty good <laughs> tangent we got. To. <laughs> if you if you guys like that kind of conversation, that that's the entire basis for into the necrosphere. Yeah, no, tangents are good, man, definitely. Um, but yeah, so all right, so Panzerfaust is obviously on my list uh, as well. So uh, maybe I'll move into another realm here, and I'm going to give up a band that's um, I another recent discovery of mine is Gayria. Mm. One of, one of I the, their record Limbo, which I think came out like last year, maybe. Uh, it was two years ago. I two years ago, yeah, yeah. Has been on blast for like the last three weeks, and I've been getting into like their earlier material. And I believe they started. They're they're relatively new. I think it's like 2016 that band started. Yeah, they 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 are reasonably new. Um, and Limbo was was my introduction to them as well. Um, Katie, the uh, the queen of of PR has since sent me the the promo and I I had one of the members of Garia on the podcast as well. Um th- this new record is something really special. And one thing I I I'll, I'll say uh when I when I had him on I spoke about my experience of meeting Nurgle for the first time. Um you know and regardless of people's views on on Behemoth I one of my thing takeaways from meeting Nurgle and this was back in like 2004 2005 I said to a friend of mine who was with me I said this band's going to become fucking massive there's some, there's something different about the way this guy approaches music the way he thinks about music the way he talks about it um you just get an energy from it you get an energy like something big is coming here I get exactly that from Garia I think what they are doing as far as the the visual aesthetic of the band is concerned and the fact that they they marry that to incredibly intense innovative creative interesting music um I I I feel like um probably the next time I I want to have somebody from uh, Gary on the podcast I'm going to be having to uh, to queue up because I think they're going to be huge I I think they could be like the next behemoth I tend to agree with that. I mean, their songs are so catchy too. That's that's the thing about good songwriting is that it's not it's not always about just the riffs, you know. And they and they have great riffs too, but it's the arrangements and uh, you know just in general in general the songwriting and that's the thing that really captures my attention. And um, yeah, I've talked about them with Katie as well. And and uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to the. Well, I, I've I've heard the new album, but. What the uh, what they do next, you know. Hopefully, they come to the mm. states too. That I would definitely like to catch them over here at some point. Well, they're they're coming through town in October, and I think on that bill they've got uh, they're they're supporting Goldsverd. Um, I'm trying to think who else is on that as well. That's a like huge bill, and it's a good opportunity for them because again, it'll it'll get them in front of more people. Um, but I, I suspect it's just a matter of time before they become absolutely enormous. Uh, I've, I've not seen their live shows, but I know from it, from people that have, you know, the level of energy they have when they perform is insane. You know, they've got their masks on, they've got the whole vibe on stage. And, you know, again, uh, 
I can't remember. I think it was Jesse Matthewson actually that said this to you when he was on Everything Went Black. He was talking about how the music industry right now is competing against really every form of entertainment. Um, you know, it's not just that people want to go see shows. They now think about how they're going to spend their time. You know, they're going to spend their time, I don't know, watching Netflix or, or you know, whatever the case may be. Um, I think the I think the show element of, uh, you know, or the, the performance aspect, I, I would predict, if I looked at it from a business perspective, is going to become a lot more important. Um, and there's some people, there's some bands that can get away with with not having that there because they've got natural charisma. They can, you know, they can they can do a show without having all the visuals with them. But if I had to place a bet, I'd say the bands that that bring the, the that bring some degree of spectacle will be the bands that will be bigger and will and will will draw bigger crowds. Again, Behemoth is a great example of that, and and I see Garia going down exactly the same route. You know, I've felt that way for a while. I feel like that's been building up. I mean, especially since uh, technology has allowed, uh, you know, people in a more budgetary way to bring a uh, interesting stage presentation with them, you know, even even on smaller, smaller levels. You know, I mean, going all the way back and, I, and I'm not a big Dillinger escape plan fan, but, um, you know, I respect them for what they've done. And they were the, one of the first bands that really started incorporating like really cool light shows and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And that was just the advent of more consumer based technology, you know, to control lighting. And, you know, it's, a, it's more of instead of having all these texts doing that, you could just do it on a laptop these days. And mm -hmm. that's really was the, begin the beginning of bands stepping up their visual presentation. You know, I think now it's, yeah, it's not enough just to have a cool like, banner behind you you have to actually think more about the aesthetics of your live set and your presentation and all that so yeah i'm definitely in agreement well, with uh, the thing is that it makes for thinking a bigger picture yeah it, it makes it uh, for a more immersive experience as well um you know it, it's like i think a lot of people when they when they hear music they they have some sort of vision in their head in in, in any case i mean then there's two things for me that that make shows special like one i've always loved that kind of uh, and you got this especially in the 90s that unhinged anything can happen kind of crazy violence you know like like um you know there was just something very special about those 90 shows but now in kind of 2022 you know i i i love those moments where just something in you know, something is happening on stage visually where I feel like I'm part of an, a very select group of people that have the opportunity to see this. And I, I think that's one of the, the big things. I mean, it, going back a couple of years ago to when I saw Rammstein, I mean, it was like the spectacle of the show is fucking incredible. Their music is, is all right. Uh, there's some songs I like. There's some songs I don't like as much, but I don't give a fuck what genre of music you like. You cannot be at one of their shows and not be blown away. It's impossible. But that that's a spectacle man that yeah that's probably that's the that's pretty much the top when it comes to like seeing a live band perform i mean it's you know it, it's like an, it's an event when you go see rammstein mm. you know for sure definitely well man around it, exactly well, mame is another good example i saw them at incineration fest in 2019 i think it was and they didn't. They, I mean, they obviously don't have the budget that Rammstein has. Um, but what they had, like starting off the show, for example, was the the lights went down. They had this like blue light coming, all these blue sort of laser lights coming from be behind the stage. So you just had this these illuminated silhouettes. Um, and then they had that uh, that intro that they use on Wolf's Lair Abyss, you know, with like this 
like the Civil War trumpets and stuff like that, and that weird like electric sound playing, and it just it just set such a great tone. And again, I'm I'm still of the of the school where I don't like the band coming on stage and doing their own sound checks, and then like you know basically looking at the sound tech and starting the show. It, it it's it's not exciting to me. I want that. I, I I want that anticipation. Like I want the, you know, like all the best shows I've ever seen. There's that build up, you know. They, you see the techs come on stage, or even the band themselves come on stage to do their thing. Like they, they they go off stage, they let you wait a little bit, they let you simmer for a while, then the lights go down, and then you you know you hear that crowd, and you know the first dude from the band walks up. Normally it's the drummer, or you know maybe the drummer goes to sit behind the the kit and you know hits the the, the you know the bass drum pedals for a you know a few times. But that that energy, that like burst of energy, that's like one that's one of the best parts of the show. Um, and I think bands that do that properly. Uh, invariably, in my view, they, they just put on a better show, and unsurprisingly, you'll see more people turn up to them time and time again. But uh, again, that's another sojourn off of the conversation about Gary. <laughs> Is it wasn't there some uh, some controversy about them too? Like, as far, not not on the the woke side, but like, oh, these guys used to be like a boy band or something like that. Which, yeah, I I spoke about this on the on my news rant a while back. Some someone posted something that I saw on Facebook where apparently they were in some metalcore band or some fucking new metal band or whatever. And uh, I looked at this and I thought to myself, how fuck, how pathetic. I don't give a shit if they made. I don't care if they were the backing singers for Cardi B. If they if they go out and they make good music on their own and it's music I can hear and enjoy, <laughs> more power to them. It's not. I'm not a fucking child. I'm not 14 years old where I get, you know, where if, if I found out one day, like you dropped me a line, you said I'm going on uh, I'm going on tour with Megan The Stallion. She needs a guitarist. <laughs> I'd go. Good for you, dude. You know, use the money. Invested in in uh, in stocks or something, set up a decent pension for yourself. Uh, you know, buy yourself a new car or whatever. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't go. I'm never listening to tubes again. I can't believe he did this. I just think that's such a childish way of looking stuff. I mean, to, to me, that's 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 on a par. And this will, I'll, will, I'll just mention it. We don't have to go down this rant, but it's on a par with the fucking idiocy of people being offended when they see some, you know, a, a famous person wearing a metal T-shirt. It's like. That's what happens when you when you print something, or you make something, and you make it available for sale to people. Sometimes people are going to buy it who don't who you might not like. Yeah, that's. I just I just wanted to mention that for that reason that it's like it's completely irrelevant what bands anyone in any band does before the band that they're in. It's like, hell yes, yeah, 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 totally. All right, so. I'll 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 throw the next one out there. More more friends of mine, but just again to to stress, this is not influenced by my personal views on people. I, I became friends with these folks after I was fans of the band. Uh, but the Antichrist Imperium. Um, so uh, you know, featuring one half of uh, or actually two thirds of Werewolves uh, and Sam Bean and Matt Wilcock. Matt Wilcock, in my view, one of the best guitarists on the planet right now, by virtue of the fact that when you hear a Matt Wilcock riff, you know you, you hear when you hear him play, you immediately know that that it's him. And Sam Bean's one of my favorite vocalists. Also featuring uh, David Gray of Acrococca and Voices and Sam Loins of Acrococca and Voices, you have this incredible back and forth between um, Sam Bean sounding like a fucking pissed off banshee and Sam Loins with this almost David Bowie-like singing, and then this just incredibly creatively free way in which they just throw together everything they like. I mean, you listen to the second record that they put out um, back in 2016. There's there's some parts there where you where 
I mean, you can hear, and Matt kind of intimated that 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 may well have been an influence. Like you can hear like a dire straits lead, um, you know, or this really kind of slow down, moody part, and then all of a sudden the song turns into kind of pure hatred and violence again. Um, they they're just a fucking incredible band. And 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 you know, talk about a band people are sleeping on. I think if more people knew about them, they would have a far, far bigger fan base. But they tend to, because they have so many other projects on the go, I think the Antichrist Imperium tends to be a little bit of an indulgence for them. Now, one thing that I I, I will say for people that haven't heard it yet, it comes out in uh, and a slight plug for them, um, but also because I've, I've, I've actually fortunately had the record for several months now. But their third record, um, Volume 3, Satan in His Original Glory, comes out uh in october and i it is going to blow people's minds it is absolutely fucking fantastic it, it takes all the best parts of the lot of the first two records and it it, it kind of wraps it into a ball of genius that's the way to describe it i'm going to make a quick pivot here because that was also on my list but i'm going to make a quick substitution of one of my bands that I had in the wings right now. So my entry into this is Ruins, another Australian band, which has Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot a lot of, you know, similar similar guys. It feels I feel like there's like a group of like five dudes or maybe eight guys in Australia that are just making incredible music, you know. And uh Ruins, we don't really talk about them that much, but they're part of that group of bands down there. And I believe Dave Haley is also in that band mm -hmm. on drums. And it's like, just like gnarly Celtic Frost influenced, um, you know, a little, they sound at times a little bit like maybe goat whore, but just catchy riffs. They, a lot of that mid tempo kind of swagger that, you know, that I know you and I both enjoy that sound, you know? And uh, yeah, they're, the, the, the front on that band has been quiet somewhat. Like, I don't know if they still are active or, you know, but I wouldn't be surprised if like a year from now they have a new record or something, you know. So I spoke to Dave about that um, and he said that uh, it's, it's one, it's a case of finding the time. Obviously, he's involved with Psychroptic, um, the Amenta, Werewolves, you know, so he's he's a very busy dude. He also runs his own merchandising company. Um, and apparently, um, you know, he said it, it was always started as, a means for him and Alex, the the vocalist, to um, I mean, basically just to hang out as friends. Um, you know, they're, they're they're good friends apparently, and and you know, it's very much kind of. He feels like if they try to force a record, then it wouldn't um, it wouldn't it wouldn't sound the same. It you know it wouldn't have the same vibe as um, as you know a record like Undercurrent. But you know, in in terms of actual quality of the music, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, again, Dave Haley, one of my favorite drummers in existence. Um, the work that he has done on on the Amenta records is just absolutely staggering. Um, you know, I, I remember first finding out about him way back when the Amenta came out, um, and uh, I, I was convinced when I heard Ocasus, which was Amenta's debut record, that it was a drum machine. Um, and then the the Eric, the uh, guitarist, set set me straight on that one. But I mean, you know, as I said, stuff he's done on that, on Psychroptic, on Werewolves is incredible. But but Ruins is, I, I uh, influences of, you know, kind of Anthems to the Welcome, a Dusk Era Emperor, definitely uh, some of that that Celtic Frost influence as well. Uh, you know, some more kind of modern thrashy stuff like Destroyer 666 and, and Goat Whore. 
but uh, it's it's incredible. And if anyone hasn't heard them yet, then I would strongly recommend you check out. Start with Undercurrent, which was the the record they put out in 2016, and then just work your way back. But all of it is gold. Australia has always been a fascinating place to me, actually. Um, I've never been there before, but I remember all the way back to being a kid and hearing ACDC and being like, you know, back back when I was getting into hard rock, all the bands were from the UK. You know, Led Zeppelin, Sabbath, Thin Lizzy, you know, uh, UFO, like all these bands. And then suddenly along comes ACDC, at least in my radar. You know, they'd already been a band for a long time. And, you know, Bon Scott was already had already passed away by the time I'd even heard about ACDC. But but I'm like, huh, this is this Australia. I don't really think about Australia that often. But then as the years went by, you had ACDC, you know, you had uh, the birthday party in the cave. You know, then later on in the metal world, you know, you had like Destroyer 666, which is still like one of my favorite black metal bands, you know, and uh, and now there's this, you know, just this this whole scene of great bands coming from that part of the world. And, uh, you know, it's they definitely have their own unique sound too. all those bands are all different, but they have this thing about them, which like, ah, that's like an Australian sound, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I've always described it as, as as everything is just slightly off axis. You can't you can't put your finger on it, but you can always tell it's a, it's an Australian band. And I don't know whether it's because they're they they're fucking miles away from any any other country, but it, it's uh, I you know ACDC is an incredibly important band to me. That that's the band that got me into into heavy music. Um, you know, I I first heard Thunderstruck when I was nine years old, and then from there it was just downhill. Um, you know, since then I, I've probably developed a bit more of an affinity for uh for bon scott uh, era acdc um sure. but i mean they're, they're they're a great band but there's definitely been over the years there's been a bit of a like a tidal wave where you know first it was bands like um destroyer 666 alchemist um and then you know it just started getting more and more and more you know then the amenta um, you know, we've spoken about werewolves, ruins, psychroptic. I mean, the, the new psychroptic record is fucking amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, they just put out really good stuff. There's another like a black and death metal band who I heard recently from there called Alters. Um, that is fantastic. Um, you know, I've got my my brothers in Gravier who are you know a phenomenal band. Um, yeah, it's just it's super exciting. What Gravier is doing that's very interesting actually as well. Um, and uh, I might I should actually send you a couple of bands to listen to. They they've put together a, a label um, that is entirely focused around signing and if, if basically setting bands in that in that region, um, you know, and and slightly further afield, so Indonesia, Thailand, those those sorts of countries, setting them on their way. So kind of giving them their first get getting them to to get their first release under their belt, you know, helping them, you know, set set themselves up and building up a public profile. And then uh, you know, and then the the idea is once you've done like one record with us, you know, you you you're ready to be signed up by somebody else. But they they're uncovering some really cool stuff there. Um uh, what's his name? Nathan from uh, Gravier sent me something that they're going to put out in the next month or so. The other day, that's excellent. It's it's like Conan meets black metal kind of oh, wow. vibe, but really cool, really really cool. But yeah, what's there's the, there's what's, un- what's unbelievably. Ah, I need to remind myself. Um, it's like one of those things where it's it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, but it's a it's a mouthful. It'll it'll, it'll come to me in a second. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely send something along. I'm always interested in hearing new, yeah. new stuff. 
So I'll 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 toss another one in there. Uh and I think we have to speak about them without a shadow of doubt. Um, because I think if you talk about dark black metal in 2022, this this band took darkness and then they said, okay, let's 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 put a few more <laughs> few more layers of black paint on that. Uh, and that's a cleese. Um I think the the last record that they put out um it's one of the the records maybe with the exception of the most recent blue thousand Nort, that i think is truly frightening i mean you 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 hear it and it's it it's like an it's an unnerving record uh that that record of course melano it came out on on deborah mamorty productions and, and deborah mamorty if, if people want to get the cutting edge of what's great in black metal that is the label along with season of mist but you know their songs are, are really long but they there's such a just absolute punch in the face wall of sound you know every single track and every single track goes through so many different um you know different different sounds textures dynamics um they they're an incredibly unique band the delivery is is extraordinarily aggressive and and you know just hateful and uh yeah, i i i think i think if i if someone had to point me to like if i if someone had to say like what is you know, at the cutting edge of black metal in in twenty twenty two, I mean, Eclipse is without a shadow of a doubt in the top three. They're also fast, man. Like they're yeah, I think their their tempos are like two hundred plus BPM at some points, and it's uh yeah, they're they're like a, one of the faster bands because you know a lot of times I'll like try to like play along with shit here and there, and I'm like my right hand can't keep up with those, some of the tremolo picking on uh. You know some some of their songs, man. It's it's fast. You know, I mean, they're that, also on my list too. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, the 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 fourth track on Melano Ephialtus. I mean, the way that that song starts, where it's like, you know, just this this um like almost Greg McIntosh kind of guitar line, like a darker Greg McIntosh sort of guitar line, and then the the drums is like, and then you know the the wall of sound kind of ratchets up every single time the drum, you know, the the drums get hit. And then the song suddenly explodes. It is just, it's fucking insane. Like it gives me goosebumps every single time I hear it. And also, you know, I think if you get to know Nas, uh, you understand more about that band. Like he's a very intense dude. Um, very intense, very extremely well-read. Um, writes, uh, you know, he was on my podcast and he was on Cheyenne's um, uh, podcast. And um yeah, he he when he when he writes lyrics, it comes from an incredibly well-read place. But he goes really deep into religious mythology, um, the occult. But he he comes at the occult from a very different angle. You know, like it, it's not just Satan. And you know, how, how many how many different ways can we praise his name on this song? You know, he he sings about like really like deep deep occult stuff. Um, but extremely well-read and 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 extremely interesting. But like I said, I mean the guy. Is a is a is an intense cat. Great, great dude. I I I got on with him extremely well when he was on uh, when he was on my show. I'm gonna throw in uh, Magua, Polish band. Uh, they're also right on the cusp of our cutoff year. I think they they formed in 2000. So um so that's in the new millennium. Uh, you know, one of I think uh, uh one of the architects of that Eastern European sound too. In a lot of ways, I mm. think that they're like that you know it's them when you when you hear any of their songs really and uh you know i got a chance to see them play live in brooklyn a few years ago and uh it was once again they bring that aesthetic they have like um i mean they were only over in the states for a few shows yet they had 
a very deliberate atmosphere when they perform live, you know, and, and they, once again, like, you can hear strains of other styles of music enter into the uh, the mix. You know, it's not just, I mean, actually, they're not really that fast. It's like more of a mid-tempo kind of groove, but there's, uh, you know, for me personally, I hear I hear other, even like post-punk and stuff like that being sprinkled in with with all the you know the dark riffing and and all that is that is that a yeah. band that you actually get into mcguire yeah very much yeah, very yeah, very much yeah. um they are uh, I, I, they, they have a very kind of punk attitude about what they do you know like even down to just releasing albums you know they did they put out age of excuse i, I don't think anyone knew the record was coming out i just suddenly saw it pop up on on youtube one day um and I don't think any of their records are on any of the streaming platforms and stuff either. They they really sort of, I think that that sort of um, DIY punk aesthetic they they definitely have that. And I agree with you as well about their influence on on Eastern Europe and especially Polish black metal, which again is such a fertile ground right now for for great stuff. I mean, like thinking about some of the names that come to mind of those bands, um, Ars Magna, Umbra absolutely fucking incredible um you know a little further afield um uh actually i think they're they're from poland as well above aurora really really good um odasis from lithuania really good but you can hear in all of those bands without a no matter what they say you can hear that there's some somewhere along the line they listened to mcguire and they were they were probably in, inspired or motivated by what they heard to kind of do some of their own stuff um but they're they're a fantastic band um and again, I, I I totally agree with you. Their their influence on that on that scene cannot be cannot be underestimated. And even uh, Krieg's Machine too. I think uh, the drummer from Aguaz and Krieg's Machine, if I'm not mistaken, that's uh you know more of a death metal kind of thing, but still sort of in that black metal world. Well, that's also one of the things that that happens an awful lot in in black metal right now. And I think it's uh, I think it's been a shot in the arm to death metal. To be honest, is this um, this this kind of black influence that's going into uh, into death metal death metal as as i still like a lot of death metal bands but I, I think it's been a far more stagnant genre than than black metal um i mean there's there's great death metal releases that that are coming out but it went through a period where there were too many bands that were just focused on speed and technicality and that to me has never been massively interesting um you know it, it song songwriting has to come first and i i feel like that only really started to change in maybe the last 10 15 years like it, there was a, at least a decade where there were too many records that just came out and it would just go by in a blur and you would get to the end of the album and, and you wouldn't be able to remember it. you you might have enjoyed what you heard but you wouldn't be able to remember a single thing or a single song um, I think this the more this black metal influence has kind of creeped into a lot of uh, death metal bands, I, I think the more entertaining and the more enjoyable um, their, their their music has become. And actually, a lot of the bands that use that as a jumping off point. So you, you we spoke offline about Reeking Aura not too long ago. Like they're a great example of a band that take that black metal um, ethos almost as a as a as a as a spine to what they do. But then you know the 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 actual music is is more in common with old school death metal like incantation and stuff like that. But it just has that just that twist um, that makes it so much more interesting than just another incantation, you know, sound alike. It turns out that I know most of the guys in that band actually, which is uh, yeah, Ryan Ryan Lipinski from um, Unearthly Trance is in that band, and uh, he's like just a few towns away from me right now. Actually, he's a old friend of mine. And uh, Will Smith from uh, Artificial Brain, and the great band. Uh, but as far as death metal goes, I think that in the recent years, even like a band like Necros Christos too, which is a death metal band, but they have that 
black dark vibe you know grave miasma uh abyssal all those bands you know portal portal which Luc is lucifer metal band yeah lucifer uh and even um you know garrett garrett's new band ava turn too is uh you know like something that's like it's it's hard to classify exactly where they fit in but it's i would put them along with like krieg's machine and abyssal and grave miasma and you know he's an incredible musician um you know and, and that band's I've, I've heard demos of that band from the beginning and um it's good to see that they're doing something really ambitious with uh, profound lore you know dude dude i mean you know how strongly i feel about that avatar record oh, yeah. i mean that is to me it is so mind-blowingly good um but i yeah i totally agree with you but that's again that's another great example right of, of just that, that that whiff of of black metal going into it um and just then and, and they you know you can hear elements of pestilence in there you can hear elements of you know fucking cannibal corpse in there but it's that it's that atmospheric stuff that they throw in that just takes it to you know a significantly elevated level you know over the sort of bog standard death metal release and i mean i still like more traditional death metal as well um i mean you know when the when the new dying fetus came out you know i'm i'm, I'm down with that oh yeah but um i i do think uh i i i'm i am glad to see the genre has moved on a little bit um you know from where it was maybe a, a decade ago one one band we we definitely cannot go without talking about because i think their influence has been profound and i think what they do as far as um creativity and uniqueness and and you know really combating all of the the dross that we've heard from uh you know from the old god uh, uh the runes of beverest so i as many people know am completely and utterly obsessed with a 2017 record exuvia i think that record is a the closest thing to a spiritual journey that you can put me on when it comes to music maybe with the exception of eclise it's a there is so much that they do in that on that record and that and really that alexander has done on all of the runes of everest records but that record in particular you know he throws everything in there from like you know native american music and uh progressive stuff there's hints of typo negative um more so actually on the on the newer record uh the tool grimoire than, than on exuvia but you hear it on exuvia as well um there's death metal there's there's like traditional black metal but it, it all kind of collides in this one just enormous psychedelic dark fucking nightmare of a of a record but it, it is it's absolutely stunning it's 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 stunning grim and beautiful at the same time i saw them play man a few years ago um it was them and uh grave uh not great Con it was a uh, dead congregation and um and runes of beverass played it was a uh, there's this guy out here stefan who puts on these or he used to pre-pandemic put on these like festivals like once a year and i don't know how he afforded to fly in all these bands but he, he did and uh they were just incredible live man i'm so happy to have been able to see them play mm. great bands well that i mean again if anybody hasn't listened to it yet which i i strongly doubt folks listening to this will not have heard it but exuvia um the the third track uh my era i think is the uh the way that it's pronounced um and then in brackets on a stillbirth tomb i mean that to me is again like desert desert island black metal mixtape if it's not on there there's uh i'm gonna try and swim away from the desert island. I'll, I'll, I'll take my I'll, I'll take my chances with the sharks another entry uh has that's a 
band that has my friends in it, but also I Black Anvil, which are like both uh, teams of Black Anvil started around the same time, um, you know, here, I will not here, but in Brooklyn. And uh, we both sort of gravitated towards each other because I'd, I'd been friends with those guys for a long time. Uh, you know, Paul was in, uh, you know, played in Mad Ball, uh, Kill Your Idols, uh, you know, tons of different bands, uh, Death Cycle. Um, and I've known Paul for many years. And uh, yeah, just their, their attitude, they were coming from a, like that same sort of, not not so much stylistically, but attitude wise, we were both bands were sort of coming from the same place, and um, I've been I've been on board with them for uh, the beginning basically, and uh, you know, that urban New York black metal vibe. I think they pretty much uh, you know encapsulate that whole sound, and it's it's just also coming here. You know, being being a band based in the U.S., I have to say that they have contributed to that pastiche of like usbm you know they added a very significant uh piece into that puzzle in my opinion and uh you know their their newest record is going to blow everyone away when it comes out really excited for it i've been getting progressively more excited about that that new record because i i've uh, done reacts to uh the first two singles that have come out on on into the necrosphere and both of them, I, I love that. Like what I picked up on that on on those two songs is um, definitely a, a harder edge um, to what they did on as was. I really liked as was, and actually, ironically, saying that I'm getting excited about the harder edge. My favorite song on as was was the last song, Ultra, which was like almost. It felt to me like they were doing on that song what Enslaved should have been doing on their last three records. But uh, Regenesis so far uh, has, has sounded really good. I, I've always been a fan of this band. Um, again, they were a relapse band, so I immediately was was interested in hearing them. I can't remember which album they put out on on relapse, but uh, as was when it came out was one of my favorite records of that year. Um, and uh, and Regenesis, everything I hear so far, um, you know, has sounded just absolutely fucking fantastic. And fun fact for people that don't know is uh, one of the guitarists is the uh, son of uh, the very famous Kevin Bacon. Uh, I, a quick update to that. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's, well, his father is disinherited. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, Tra Travis is no longer in the band. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he's, he lives out in L.A. now. Um, he's got his own thing going on. I, I'm not sure what, the, what his new band is called, but Travis uh, has uh, amicably left the band. Um, you know, his that position, that second guitar player role, has always been like uh, – a lot of different people have been in that uh that position over the years and um so yeah he's he didn't do the last tour with immolation that they did and uh I, actually i'm not sure if he's even on the record i think jeremy played all the guitar parts on that but mm -hmm. I, I might be wrong about that but that's my, my impression at least but uh i remember hearing demos of those songs like a long time ago rafe, rafe would text me like mp3s and i he's like you have to delete this once you listen to it. I mean, you know, don't tell Paul I sent this to you. And I'm like, so I would be on the subway listening to it. I'm like, man, this is like some, you know, really cool, like interesting stuff. And that's the thing about Black Anvil is all their albums, I think, have a different sound. You know, there's, mm. you know, it's it's not like drastic changes, but there's like a new element that they always add to all the records they do from the beginning till till now. So, uh, you know, they're a band that's constantly evolving. That's I, I've always really liked that because I, I I find that um, 
I, th- I think bands that don't evolve and that don't kind of move forward at least a little bit, I, I, I think they're not necessarily being true to themselves as, as artists because, you know, especially bands that started out when guys were, were really young and they were in their twenties. I had this conversation with Scott from Fallujah the other day. And I was like, as a man, like knowing from my own experience, the amount of growing up you do between the age of 20 and 35 is, I mean, it, it, it's mind boggling. You're a very different person when you're when you're 35 years old than what you are when you're 20. I think that that must surely have some degree of of influence on you know what you uh, create as an artist. And so bands that you know started in you know when they were young and then keep putting out the same thing over and over and over again, I I I question the and I don't even question. You can hear it in the music that there that there's a lack of authenticity in what they're what they're putting out. It's not stuff that they're truly feeling inspired to do. So I think a band like like Black Anvil, who sort of does that just a little twist to the to the formula every single record, it shows to me that they're kind of they're evolving as human beings, they're evolving as artists, and that is represented in their music. Um if you don't, then you end up with something like, you know, Slayer for the last, you know, probably two decades of their existence. Uh as much as I'm an enormous fan of of Slayer and, and you know, I was there for the for the last show that they played at, at Wembley. You know, felt sad that we were going to see them go, but at the same time, if you if you're honest, you could take the best songs of everything post Divine Intervention, and you you might be able to put together one decent full length record. Everything else just sounds like cookie cutter. I'm doing this because I'm being paid to do it. Bullshit. I, I unfortunately I agree about Slayer, and you know they they were always been like one of my favorite bands of all time, but they've. You know, they're la- that was obviously the last decade of their career has been kind of underwhelming, really. It was always like one or two decent songs. Like I, a lot of people didn't like it, but I thought when the stillness comes wasn't bad, and when they played it live, it sounded very cool. But Jesus Christ, there was a lot of shit. I mean, like like a really atrocious amount of shit. <laughs> it's, uh, I think, I think part of that is because they fell into that trap of feeling like they had certain expectations to live up to uh like they people expected certain things from a slayer record and then when you're doing that and you you, and you no longer feel inspired to do it as an artist it it sounds very robotic it's like my my mom was a music teacher and she again is one of the things that stuck with me that that she said to me she was listening to uh uh to someone play scales or whatever the case may be and uh she said to me afterwards god you know that girl was terrible uh, and I said to her, "Why? Like she did, sounded like she was doing the, the the right thing." And she said, "You, there was no feeling in every in anything that she was doing." And I was like, "I, I for years I couldn't quite figure out what she meant because I was very young when I had that conversation with her." But as I, you know, being a being a, a music fan um, and, and and you know listening intently to to records, you know, as I, as I got older, I started to pick it up. Uh, and again, I think you really pick it up with with stuff like that. You know, you, you can't listen to a record like um, fucking World Painted Blood and tell me that there was the same degree of inspiration there that they had with South of Heaven or Seasons in the Abyss. I agree with that. Another thing real quick about Black Anvil, too, and just in general, like all of us like older guys in the scene, you know, like there's like this commonality, like the original guitar player, Gary uh, Bennett, who uh, was on the earlier records? Uh, you know, like we all we all love bands from the seventies and Kiss, and I feel like that's one of the things that really 
I loved about the band too is you can hear that 70s like influence creep in like with guitar solos and certain arrangements they have and and uh the cover they did of uh that kiss song off of uh music from the elder uh under the under the rose it's like such a random cover if you weren't familiar with any of the guys in the band but if you know them I'm like, oh, that totally makes sense. And I just remember hanging out at Rave's place, talking about Kiss and like listening to like, you know, Scorpions and like UFO and stuff like that. And um, you know, and even even Mike D, the guy who's um, who's like filling in right now. I'm 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 hesitating to call him an actual member, but I know that he's doing a bunch of road work with them. You know, even Mike. Mike played in in Kill Your Idols, CR. Um, he's filling in a Black Anvil. He was in Death Cycle. And uh, I worked in the studio at that cycle on their first album. And um, that was one of the things, man. We just us just hanging out, tripping out about Venom and talking about Venom, Celtic Frost, and like Scorpions and UFO and Kiss all in the same conversation. And that's like, if, if I could say that's the thing that typifies like both Tombs and Black Anvil is that love of like, older bands like that and i feel like it finds its way in the music somehow you know that's something i always really appreciate about them there was something incredibly exciting about a lot of those older bands i thought no matter no matter who they were like you can listen to uh acdc stuff from the 1970s and as much as it's you know built around major chords and it's it's meant to sound you know at least not grim but 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 you know some way some way towards being happy there's still like an a, a sense of menace around it like an air of danger around it that I, I i think in the you know in modern day music that that tries for something similar it, it's just completely absent um and actually when you when you guys did that episode on everything went black where you were doing your like favorite 70s you know bands or favorite 70s songs that really got me back into a lot of that stuff as well and listening to it on on this new um hi-fi of mine one of the things that struck me you know when i listen to records like destroyer and stuff like that is just how lush and how open the production of a lot of those albums um was and and actually still is like if you listen to to destroyer and you listen to a song like um um do you love me it's like everything is so clearly like there's 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 a real organic feel to it but the the instruments are so beautifully separated and like there's such an openness and such a like grandiosity to the soundstage um it's uh that's something that 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 i i also will will say if i if i had to sound like an old man railing against anything about modern music it would be that i i don't like how digitized a lot of production has has become um I think it takes away from the from the soul of it, and people can listen to to vinyls as much as they want. You can't re-inject that once you've taken it out because everything has been done on a computer. Which is not to suggest people, you know, go back to recording every single thing on analog. But uh, there was there was a magic to a lot of that stuff um, that I, I don't, I, you know, I don't think it can be recreated because the time is different now. But you know, certainly it makes me love going back listening to those those songs and listening to those bands. Sure, absolutely, yeah. Uh, right, I'll throw one more in there. Uh, I'm looking at my list because there's, there's so many. Um, one man I have to give a shout out to uh, because firstly, the guy that that is the mastermind of the band is a fucking brilliant dude and so unbelievably humble and comes from a very shitty country where you would not expect this kind of music to be made. Uh, that country, of course, being Venezuela. Um, but uh, Selbst. Um, so Selbst originally came from or, or jonathan who is the uh the main man uh in selbst he originally came from venezuela moved to chile 
um, put out two absolutely extraordinary records. Um, I remember discovering the the first one, which was the self-titled uh, record in 2017 on uh, Black Metal Promotion. And then uh, when he was making the the, the follow-up, uh, Relatos de Angustia, um, he kind of, I'd, I'd connected with him on Facebook and he started sending me like clips of what, what it might sound like. And then I, I ended up having him on the podcast as well. But um, all of those great things about uh, Maguire, like that, you know, mid-tempo rolling sort of thing he, he, he puts into that. But then he, I think he brings in kind of his own, south american spin into it like you know and again like with with regions having their own vibe and their own sound the one thing that i've always loved about south american bands and you know that's true of krizun it's true of rebellion a great number of bands from south america um there's a real love of uh and maybe this is this is why i thought about it but Salps, there's a real love of the old god in there as well um you know destruction um venom um you know bands like that uh celtic frost like there's there's a there's a lot of that that goes into the the music as well which kind of gives it this rawness but i think he took that rawness and all those elements and then he he you know blended it with some more modern black metal feel um and you know that goes through the uh filter that is his creative mind and and you know you end up with a record like relato stangostia which is absolutely fucking fantastic um, also a Deborah Mamorty Productions release. So uh, if anyone hasn't hasn't listened to it yet, I, I strongly suggest that they do. Um, but uh, yeah, I would when I first heard it, I was like the last country I would expect this sort of thing to be coming from is um, in, is Venezuela. But apparently, it turns out there's a there's a relatively decent scene over there, uh, and those poor folks that live there definitely have enough to be pissed off and feel feel in a dark mood about. You know, I'm not that familiar with them, honestly. I um, just let this pass here. But I'd say that's the 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 porno video you had lined up is sort of playing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, I let it go to the voicemail here. Yeah, I have a speaker behind me. That's uh, all right. So. I got to be honest. I I'm only passingly familiar with them. Um, it's but it's definitely a band that you've mentioned in them to me. <laughs> Don't worry. I had uh, I had the dog start barking. I mean, she frequently barks, but I had her bark and fucking run around here like a lunatic midway through my interview with Gall. And I was like, of all the fucking all the conversations people. this could happen yeah. with, why must you do this now? Yeah, <laughs> totally. I have to say that I'm only passingly familiar with them. Uh, you know, you've talked about them a bunch. I know that you and I have had uh, exchanges about them. And, um, you know, I, I definitely have checked them out, but I got to spend more time with their catalog. I think. Mm. Well, Selbst and, and then also another one, Aversio Humanitatis, because Simon, um, who's the drummer for you, I think he's the drummer for Aversio Humanitatis. He's... Um, He's quite a prolific record um, uh, recorder and sound engineer as well. He's got a, uh, I think his studio is called the MT Hall, if I'm not mistaken, and it's in uh, Madrid. But I think he did the the, the mixing on the last Selbst record, um, and it sounded so good, like so crisp, like you know that that same sort of lush sound that I I, I like and I spoke about before. It's got that, and a, and a very humanitatis, I'd say, probably has a fair bit in common with Selbst in terms of the kind of music that they play. 
but again, you know, another fucking fantastic band. I, like I could not, I could not stress to people strongly enough that they should check it out if they haven't done so yet. Well, we put together a pretty good uh, assortment of bands, and that should stand as a testament against uh, Isan's claim that uh, that black metal uh, is no longer relevant. You know, so <laughs> I was about to say a, ro- a robust counter argument <laughs> to oh, the. Yeah. Uh, do the, the 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 claim that the weekend is the darkest thing that's being released uh, in uh, in our present day? Well, thanks thanks again, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And um, yeah, man, it's uh, the year is we're still got a few months left, and there's still a ton of great records to come out this year. So I think the move to do your top records as more of a retrospective is is a is a wise move because we got a lot of stuff still that's on the on the deck right now there's too many bands that put out stuff you know uh, as a like a christmas surprise nowadays and, and nowadays and when they when funeral mist did the did the drop um at the back end of last year i was like i'm never gonna i'm never gonna release something again well i won't ever do that top top 20 or top 30 uh, review ever again without the year being done first because it was always like you know people people seem to try and rush and get it out in october or november and it's like come on man like the the you know you you're missing out good stuff if you if you're gonna do it then at least do you know do it and have some degree of credibility um but dude thanks for having me on the show and always a, a blast catching up with you um you know and like we said at the start of the conversation one of the best byproducts of this whole thing is that you know we became friends i i you know i want want you to know that uh, you know, as much as I'm, you know, a reasonably stoic, manly man, I can I can still open up and share my feelings, and I, I greatly appreciate your friendship, and um, you know, greatly appreciate the fact that you know we become friends. That's uh, me too, as well, man. It's great, you know, and uh, yeah, it's it's been cool, man. You know, it's um, that's like I said earlier, it's one of the one of the one of the high points of the isolation of the last couple of years is that you know, you know, we we became friends, and you know, Carl and Brandon. You know, it's it's expanded my group a little bit. I, I really appreciate that. So yeah, no, without a doubt. All right, dude. Enjoy your weekend. I will definitely do so. Uh, I'm actually off to a hi-fi show tomorrow, so oh, uh, I'll uh, yeah, I'll send you some uh, I'll send you some some ideas from there. Excellent. <laughs> so, Excellent. All right, man. Take care. Take care now. Bye bye. Bye bye.